0: Welcome to the Hustle Unlimited podcast. Our mission is to inspire greatness in people who are chasing their dreams. We'll give you access to entrepreneurs and business leaders who will give you the fuel to chase the dreams that you have. All of our guests want to give back to the next generation of leaders by sharing the details of their journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. Please welcome the host of Hustle Unlimited, Donald Thompson.
1: Well, actually, we're going to take you for a little loop here. We are not having Donald Thompson as the host. He will be the subject of today's episode. I am your host today. My name is Max Trujillo, the host of the North Carolina Food and Beverage Podcast, as well as a producer of many shows on different podcast platforms. But today, Donald, you've been running Hustle Unlimited for a few episodes, discussing with fellow entrepreneurs, but it's time for your audience to meet you as the host of the show. So welcome.
2: Ah, thanks a lot. I'm looking forward to it. looking forward to a great conversation and sharing.
1: Well, let's start off with what you do specifically at the top, the two businesses that you run. One, Creative Allies, a crowdsourced digital media firm, and Walk West, a digital marketing agency. So initially, I'm just thinking, how do you separate these two businesses and how do you define their their difference?
2: Well, a couple things. One, when I was looking at the business landscape a few years ago and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my time personally, what I was interested in, but also what could have a big time impact uh, for the next decade um, in, in in business, I thought about marketing and communication, but more importantly, messaging and branding. Everyone, whether you're an individual, a solo entrepreneur, whether you're a startup, whether you're a Fortune 1000, Fortune 500 company, the goal is to communicate a strong and powerful message that aligns with your product, that moves the behavior of the target market that you're going after, right? So that's a fundamental construct, mm. right, of business and yeah. what we're all trying to do. But there's different ways to achieve it. And the gig economy is real and here to stay. So Creative Allies basically consolidates the power of the gig economy. We have over 100,000 creative professionals uh, a part of our platform, and we help them align with the right type of clients so that they can utilize their skills. But most creatives aren't great at getting their own jobs. (laughs) And so what (laughs) happens is they go onto platforms, Upworks, and different things like that. But it's really a lot of filtering process that creatives don't really like to go through. They actually prefer to be presented with great opportunities, and then they choose things that inspire them. Well, Creative Allies has a platform where we match up creatives and clients that we work with, whether it is work with Live Nation, whether it's 21 pilots in the entertainment space, whether it's startups or Fortune 500 companies. And once we do that matchmaking, we also handle the project management of the actual execution of the project. So that allows, uh, from a marketing standpoint, to be very, very nimble but it's a much different construct than now Walk West, which is more of your traditional digital consultancy where we're going to go in and help you build out your strategy. And then we also do production. So the right. strategic insight that we give you, if you want more customers and you want to do it in e-commerce, then we can help you whether you're building a Shopify f- site excuse me, or something more complex. If you want to increase more flow to your website, we help you with organic social, building the content, your SEO strategy. But we start with, what is the end goal? What's the strategic choices you want help making? And then we can also do the production. And so that's kind of the difference in the two. The other important difference is I would no longer run Creative Allies. So Amy Thompson is the CEO there. I'm on the okay. board. Uh, I'm one of the, the significant shareholders of the firm, but smartly, uh, I found some really <laughs> tremendous leadership uh, to take that company on its next frontier. And I'm currently the CEO and a member of the board for WalkWest. Interesting.
1: I like the idea just in general, speaking about creative allies in that you're keeping the creatives focusing on what they do best, and you're handling uh, all of the periphery to make them successful. Because yeah, no one wants to do all the jobs in this world. You want to be able to have uh, alignment and focus.
2: That's exactly right. From a creative ally standpoint, we their uniqueness in the marketplace is how do you create a hybrid between just a pure freelance site, Right? right? A traditional agency, crowdsource content, put those into a nice tight box to where a client can have a dynamic marketing team on demand. Yeah, And, and it's really, really uh, an exciting way to look at it. And it's a disruptor. And so, my thing in business, right, is when I look at Walk West and Creative Allies, if the market is going to shift one way or the other, I want to be a part of it. Right. I don't, I don't want disrup- disruption to happen to me. I want to be the tip of the spear <laughs> of how it works.
1: That's interesting. I wonder, and when you do find disruption in the industry, uh, you, you look at it almost more as like an opportunity because that's you're in it with them. You're, you're creating that new uh, level.
2: Absolutely. And the other thing that I'm finding um, just across business in general is really, really talented people are starting to understand their professional worth. And they're also realizing that there's less and less risk associated with doing something on your own. So as an entrepreneur, as a business person, it would be just kind of disingenuous not to be supportive of the creative entrepreneurs that I come in contact with. And so there's some things that we can share with one another in terms of leveraging collective talent Mm -hmm. to really create things that are awesome and fun and engaging. And when everybody's in a lane that they choose and they're excited about, you get really, really inspirational work. And so for a client on Creative Allies side, you can go to a traditional agency similar to Walk West, and we've got a handful of amazing designers, and they're going to give you four or five different treatments to look at. Yeah. But if you're really looking to create ideas on edge, what if you put that ideation process into a crowdsource environment and you get 200 different concepts? How are you going to filter through all that? Right. On your own. Right. So then that's where Creative Allies says, we're going to get you a bunch of concepts, but then we're also going to help you curate so mm. that you end up with five to ten that are really powerful choices for you. Either company, the central premise is this. What's best to help the client's business grow? And then walk west, you are putting out
1: actual content. You're giving your client something that they can hold on to and, and put out into the media.
2: Walk west, if I think about some of the major uh, differences, you know, if you think about creating a video, for example. right? Client wants a customer testimonial. Client wants a sizzle reel. Client wants a go-to-market launch video, right? We're not only going to help you create that video, but we're going to create the social construct and the marketing around getting people to actually watch it. Because at the end of the day, you don't want a great video. You want to change hearts and minds of your target market. So that means our experience in the social aspect, the experience in creating social content from the main video, all of that rolled into the ability to share your brand message in a video construct becomes really, really powerful.
1: Uh, I love it, and I love that you, you're out there as a resource for the community. Now, I don't want to go back to the very beginning of your life, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. but I do want to switch gears and just start to get a an understanding of, of who you are, uh, at least from your bio and all. You're from Bogalusa, Bogalusa Louisiana. Louisiana. Yep, sure, sure. All right, so a a southern. Mill,
2: yeah, a little paper mill town in Louisiana. I was born there. My parents were, were born and raised there. And one of the most significant things, my, my grandmother, and, and I still have family there and, and aunts and, and cousins, but, you know, it's a small little town.
1: Right. Most uh, <laughs> high-level <laughs> entrepreneurs don't come out of small towns like that. Yeah.
2: Like, I, you know, I spent most of my early years uh, in the Northeast. My parents made a tremendous change in leaving Bogalusa. My dad was on an athletic scholarship with the University of Connecticut. And uh, so they moved to the Northeast from the Deep South. And what tremendous courage during the time that they did that uh, in the the late 60s or early 70s, um, moving away from family, friends, infrastructure, uh, to really chase a new dream and change the mental model for our family uh, and really chase some different opportunities. I'm forever grateful because it changed the educational opportunities I was able to see, changed the environment that I was raised in. And so I was able to dream bigger at an earlier age because of that transformational decision that my parents made. And I'm forever grateful.
1: You must have been looking up to your pops a lot with that athletic side of your life. Because you yourself went to East Carolina
2: ECU uh, on scholarship as well to play football. I did. I did. And so one of my dreams, and certainly my my dad being a college football coach uh, for many years, I grew up in the film room with coaches. I grew up in the equipment room, right? Washing clothes and jerseys. Uh, Mm -hmm. My dad always allowed and made an opportunity for me to hang around, but I always had to have a job. Yeah. I couldn't just sit there and hang out. If I was going to be around the team, I needed to be part of the team. And so I was always willing to clean up, do any of the grunt work, the prep work, because I was around, at the time, my heroes, which were these college athletes oh, yeah. with, that were bigger than life. They and must
1: have looked like giants they, to me. They
2: were giants, they literally, were, yeah. to me. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and these were folks that I saw chasing their dreams, which was to go to the NFL in many cases, and the work ethic that they put in behind the scenes, and the pain uh of losing and the joy of triumph that they experienced wow and it really taught me a lot about what winning takes and what the requirements to be great are not simple and nor are they easy and very few actually want to really do them but
1: that's learning teamwork from the beginning uh, as, as a young boy and then sidebar what what position were you playing
2: uh so in high school i played quarterback oh and uh and then as i was going into college uh, I didn't have many scholarship offers at, at quarterback. Uh, I was moved to free safety, so I played defensive back.
1: And oh, nice. Okay.
2: I talk about my college career in these terms. I was a practice team All American. So <laughs> okay, but you I had was, to have some wheels to I, be I, I in was, secondary. Uh, I was good. I used to could run a little bit, and <laughs> uh, and didn't mind physical contact and and breaking up the pass. So my football days were were really fun, enjoyable. Uh, but I think more than anything, they prepared me for my business life. Right. They created some of the learnings that I would need uh, for some of the bigger goals that I have.
1: It is fascinating just even in my own life when I re- think back that whatever I'm doing now is a product of so many little things that I've done throughout my life that I just now pay attention to and realize, yep. you know what, I actually know something about that. I need to go towards that.
2: I, 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 would, I would echo that and say very simply, uh, everyone has a journey. Mm-hmm. And it's a personal choice, the lessons you learn from your journey. right. And so, as I've gone through my life, my career, my successes, but more importantly, my failures, I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, I'm a master of mistakes. And I'd said, I'm gonna steal that phrase, right? (laughs) That really describes me as well, right? I've done so many things wrong, I've kind of by default figured out what to do pretty well. And then I've also gotten comfortable with the failures associated with winning. And really understanding that uh, when you make a mistake, when you make a bad hire, when you don't hit that right sales process to win the account, it's only fatal if you don't learn from it and you don't try again. Right, And that has really underpinned any success that I've had. Uh, I don't really consider myself smarter, brighter, better looking, or more talented, uh, but I will outwork you. Yeah. And I will create patterns of success for my lessons better than you. I, I will take my lessons and learn and not make the same mistake twice. I think I'm uh, I'm very confident that I'm good at that. I wonder, just
1: dipping into the, the family life of that, was that, yeah. a, was that something that, was even a lesson taught by either your, your, your mother or your father? Was it? Keep your head down. Be confident. Are these things you learned growing up, or is this something that you learned in life I, experience? I
2: attribute a lot of my success for the lessons I learned from my mom and my dad growing up. And One of the key phrases that's really a cornerstone of my life is that life is not fair. Uh, you have to win with the cards that you're dealt. Right. And understanding that at a young age made me focus less on whining about circumstance and figuring out how to alter the circumstance for my personal win. And it toughened me. And in the football world, when you win, you're a champion, people buy you dinner, you pats on the back. When you lose, you get a U-Haul van and you're moving to the next destination. And that realization that everybody loves winners and people that lose are dismissed pretty easily made me want to be on the winning side. And it Toughened me, right. and I think that learning those lessons and seeing my family work through some of those challenges, kind of the uh, the behind the curtain of high level athletics, uh, has really been part of the the fabric or the DNA, if you will, that's helped to build me. M-
1: makes me think of uh, the blues song "Nobody Loves You When You're Down and Out."
2: That's exactly right.
1: <laughs> but you got all these friends when you're successful, a- right? A-
2: amen. And it's it's uh, you know now. I say that with a smile on my face because I'm big about learning lessons right. and I'm big about how do you overcome. And now what I think is a part of my give back is how do you teach that to others and encourage others to take those risks right. and that the missteps are okay, yeah. is just part of the program to get to your ultimate win.
1: Yeah, and, and that's, that's kind of the point I was driving at to understand where you come from uh family life and just the nucleus of who you are because it's so important i think the the steps of which we take when we're listening to podcasts or when you're reading a book about how he did it or how That's she right. did it there's big scat, there's big jumps that people forget about you know That's well, right. one of the big ones i always uh, uh curious to ask you know and it's a question that a lot of people don't they feel uncomfortable to ask is ask you know <laughs> when when you start a business it's like How'd you get the money to do that? You know, how did you pull together resources? You know, I talk to restaurateurs all the time and the chef has a great concept and oh wait, I came up with this great food menu and then smash kept it. We opened a restaurant. It's like, well, wait a minute. How'd you find the money to get there? You don't yourself seem independently wealthy. So how did we get to those steps? So I think even that in itself is a question I'd like to ask just in somewhat broad strokes. But as you are. You know, gaining this knowledge and confidence in who you are. How did you pull the resources together to start saying, "I'm going to open a business such yeah, as this"? Yeah, so
2: there's a couple of ways. One, um, there's a bootstrap, right? There's friends, families, and credit cards, right? Right, that that fund an initial idea, a prototype of uh, of a technology product or. Uh, You know, how do you get that first loan, right, to open a traditional restaurant or a dry cleaner or whatever? And it's that bootstrap method that has built a lot of small businesses. And the other thing is that in today's environment, there's really not a lack of capital. Right. There is a lack of committed individuals with a viable idea. Mm. A lot of people with ideas. But then you have to match that idea with a full-on commitment to really alter your life to chase it. And Mm -hmm. when you're willing to change your life, your priorities, your singular focus, when you're willing to put in the 50, 60, 70 hours a week to really get something off the ground, capital is actually not difficult to find. Right. But it's the powerful idea that's commercialized plus that entrepreneur that literally can't sleep at night until that idea is birthed. And when you put those things together, there are entrepreneurs, there are investors, there's angel investors, VCs that are on the constant hunt.
1: Right. And that that in itself, that. too, is there's a whole world of angel investors, investors, the people that are seeing the, their skill and what they're striving for is to find those entrepreneurs. So it's like, hey, let's. Let's match the right people together. There is money available. That's right. There are ideas available. We got to find the right ideas to fit the right funding to make things happen. And that's exactly it, right. Yeah. I, I I do see that from small first time you know business owners. They're like, man, why would anybody give me money? Well, it's like, well, if you're doubting yourself right now, then I don't know.
2: That's exactly right. And, <laughs> and, and if you're doubting yourself, then you don't have the home run idea yet. Right. And that's okay. Then do it as a side hustle. Mm-hmm right, build out the presentation deck, build a prototype, right, you don't have to go all in at once, you can get started in a stair step way. But when you sit across the table and ask another person for money, you need to be all in, right, they, you better be more confident than ever, because it's their money. That's exactly right. And and that's a risk that they're going to take. They're betting on you. Most people that I talk to that are seeking funding and capital think it's the cool idea. People bet on the idea, the team, together.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When you have a great idea with a team that an entrepreneur or investor believes can win together, you're going to have a higher percentage of gaining investment. Because a lot of times, the initial idea that someone bets with pivots two or three times for what actually ends up winning in the marketplace. Right. So the investor is looking at the competency, the character, and the commitment of mm-hmm. the entrepreneur. Because they know that the original pitch, the original concept they see may not always be the winning recipe. right It's just the start of a powerful relationship. And that's something that when you take a step back, right most people think it's just winning on their idea, but there's a little more to that secret sauce of of achieving uh, in the marketplace. right. It's uh,
1: watching any random episode of Shark
2: Tank. yeah the, yeah sure the
1: the the product is usually secondary. It's like, okay, well, you, the product got them in the door. yep. But it's looking at this team or this individual. Or do they work well? Do they know? Have they built their infrastructure up? And they're really, those sharks are investing in the people. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about now why we're here and what this episode is all about. It's sure. about all hats on deck. Yeah, yeah. Right. And this is a this is a book that you've released. Is it's an ebook? So for uh, for listeners that are here, it's easily downloadable, easily accessible. Which uh, I kind of like that aspect too because. I'm sorry to say, but what is a book? I haven't held one in my hands yeah, yeah. in a while, <laughs> at least in this uh, this form of technology. And maybe it just makes it easier. We're reading on our on our phones and on our iPads and our computers all day long. So you might as well put a useful tool in there. Yeah, that's right. Just uh, simply there, what, is, what was the initial spark and idea of why you decided to write All Hands on Deck?
2: So All Hats on Deck, um, you know, really is a culmination of my 25 years of experience as a business owner. In that winning leaders, whether you're the CEO, whether you're a manager of five people, uh, whether you're a solo entrepreneur, but winning business leaders make good decisions. And how do you make good decisions with pace is not accidental. There's a pattern to good decisions. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, my friend and mentor, Grant Willard, recommended a book to me uh, called Six Thinking Hats.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and I'll go through the hats really quick and then I'll answer the question of how we got This is
1: it. Uh, written by Edward de Bono? This is written
2: by Edward de Bono. Right. And so basically there's a white hat, which is the facts of a situation. There's a black hat, which is the risks. There's a white hat, which is, um, excuse me, there's a yellow hat, which is the good things that can go on. Mm-hmm. Right. What's the upside? There's a green hat. What is the creative way we can look at this? Mm-hmm. The red hat is the emotion to it. The blue hat is the kind of the project management, how we're going to execute this, right? Interesting. If you realize as an individual, we all have biases. So there's some people that you meet when you talk about a concept, an idea, a problem, they always look at what's bad. Right. You have some people that always look at the good side. No matter what's happened, they're going to find and make a way for it to turn out successful. The six hats give you the ability to think all the way around a particular problem or opportunity Independent of what your personal bias or strength in decision making is, it allows groups to coalesce around pushing hard against an idea, not just a particular individual that stated an idea. So you can go into a group session and say, let's all put our yellow hats on. And now everybody in the room is creating positive energy about thinking of the positive outcome towards a problem or opportunity hey guys, let's look at the operational way that we would execute against this new business proposal. Now you're putting on the blue hat and you're looking at time, date, deliverable. You now have taken the brain power of an individual or a group and you've expanded it in a constructive way. What I did with the book from Edward DeBona, which I've used in many of the companies that I've worked with over the last 20 years, is I've written a book based on my application of these six thinking hats over 25 years as an entrepreneur. Wow! I did interviews with people that are starting on on their career so that you can look at how do you choose the college you wanna go to with the six thinking hats. I made the book a more practical application of how I've experienced using it over the last several decades of being in business, and I'm giving that away because I think it's a wonderful construct that everybody can read in an hour or two and be a better business leader, better decision maker right out of the gate. And it's part of the give back that I, that I think I owe to the world.
1: You know, uh, just in my own world, as we're sitting here in this uh, studio, uh, I showed you around earlier how we, we have four companies that are kind of we're not we're all separate individuals and we're all doing our own thing. But we sometimes have a project that we work together on,
2: Yeah, which is awesome.
1: And so I you know, just as I was soaking in this information, I've been reading your book over the last few weeks and, and I'm I'm gobbling up all these little tidbits, it's like, oh, I find myself already utilizing this six hat method inside of the meetings that we're doing where it's like everybody and I haven't shared with them this whole theory inside, I'm just saying today. We're going to, this meeting is all about the creativity. You know, sometimes we got to talk about finances, but let's not talk about finances and creativity in the same meeting. That's right. Because it really gets tedious and it gets distracting and right. we can't move forward. And so, I mean, I, I see the, Going back, I'm glad we talked about sports for a moment, and and those that don't play sports, that didn't grow up playing sports, you possibly have done something that might have been, you know, some team activity or group activity. But this is where it's important: is you're you're doling it out. I mean, you have different position players, you have a game plan, you have a strategy, That's and right. you want to win. That's the goal, and. So you take that parallel and it really does help organize the brain. It helps organize the conversation and you streamline through. Now, I imagine, too, in these scenarios, you could, in one meeting, maybe go from one hat to the next. Absolutely.
2: One of, one of the things that the, uh, the construct does is not only allows you to cover different things in the same meeting, but the key is, even if you're in the same space, are you having the same conversation? Are you on the same page? Are you on the same line of that page? Right. You're creating something that's called unity and harmony of thought and conversation. And that's really powerful when you're trying to push against really ideas that are really, really complex or really, really impactful is you want people to be unified in the discussion, not in the way you're going to solve a problem. Right. But that you're talking on the same tempo, the same timing, if you will, to use a music analogy. and That's really, really important to create harmony. Yeah. Right. And we need that to have better meetings. One of the biggest waste of times in business is bad meetings. Oh, yeah. So why wouldn't we figure out how to tweak our mindset a little bit to have better meetings? And if we have better meetings, then the team is more productive. People Mm -hmm. want to go to them. If you're more organized in the construct of the meeting, you get more engagement. If you get more engagement, you get better thinking. And all of those things over a period of meeting after meeting, business after business that I've run, those little things on a daily basis make a huge impact over time. I I, I love it. I think
1: it's almost like you're taking – technology and computers as well too and you're 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 putting like little folders in your brain and it really helps you organize yourself you become more uh like you're working yourself out your your brain is being exercised more that's exactly right uh so let's get let's get into these hats a little bit yeah, in, yeah, sure. in more detail so we'll start as you have even listed here uh with the white hat which is uh, about facts and figures so uh if we have project x i think the 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 idea, from what I'm understanding, is all right. Well, let's let's talk about all of the the, the specifics here in a, in in a, say a number sense, a economic sense, a whatever it may be, but
2: hard numbers. Yeah, it's it's very it's it's very much geared towards removing opinions and bias. Right, right. So it's not all hard numbers, although that's one way to think about it. Th- there's another perspective. You could have a client that you're trying to win, and they're not interested in demographic slicing as much as they're interested in the CEO being a thought leader and being on CNBC. That's a very different project from a marketing standpoint than somebody that's trying to get more clients to convert on their website. Right. So us as marketers at Walk West in the white hat, we need to know what is the true client perspective of what success looks like. Yeah. If we don't know that in a factual way, then we're gonna prescribe the wrong solution right, to a business problem. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you have to really think about what are the facts on the ground, what's that white hat data? And so in order to do that, before we actually position ourselves as the right uh, agency for a particular client, we encourage the client to do smaller projects with us so that we can jointly do persona research. So we can really talk to their stakeholders within their company. We can really talk to their clients. And then we bring back that factual data that informs the creativity hmm. directionally.
1: Right. And so within that is the
2: next hat. The next hat is the red hat. But the red hat involves the emotion, the feeling. There's, if you think about winning in business... If you think about a blockbuster movie, one of the things out right now is the Avengers endgame. Oh, yeah. Right. And so if you're into movies, if you're into Marvel uh, movies at all, this was a major, major event in your life. Me personally. Oh, yeah. Right. With my son. Thursday night, we were there. Oh, yeah. Right. Advanced tickets. No problem. Right. I don't stay up as late as I used to, but 10 o'clock show for the Avengers. No big deal. The power of that movie without any spoilers for anything that for any people that haven't looked at it yet. Shame on you if you haven't. <laughs> um, there was emotion. There was an emotional connection between the characters, right? Between people that have fought battles together, that had a bigger calling to protect the planet together, mm-hmm. that had personal aspirations in terms of how you had to put those at bay to work together as a unit to right. create a co- to to create the powerful team to win against a common enemy. The reason the movie was powerful and has made over a billion dollars is because it created emotional connectivity with entertainment. And talk
1: about organization. The movie's three hours long and there are, uh, I, I don't know, you might know the, the numbers better than I do, but let's just call, say, 20, uh, 20 main characters yeah. on the good side and and then maybe you know a, a handful on the, on the dark side. Yeah, exactly. So how did you organize a storyline that fit everybody inside and then also use their skill set? to achieve the final goal it it was masterful how how they put it all together
2: right so if you think about the folks that built that movie right they built the movie thinking about the red hat emotions of their audience Mm
1: -hmm.
2: right but then they also looked at wait a minute how do we actually orchestrate that so what's the blue hat in terms of operational execution Mm, the shoots the different things of that nature right and then what's the what's the green hat for the creativity and what's the twist Right and how do we how do we pull together the fabric of all of these different stories we've told over decades when you draw it back to our business life and you think about Red Hat we're all people right we have feelings we have families we have good days we have bad days and if you don't bring that into the context of the decisions you're making the gut feel if you will is part of the Red Hat your intuition you're missing kind of the central premise of what makes all of us special you can't ignore it. People say all the time, well, it's just business. We're going to be professional. It's a bunch of crap actually, right? We're all people and we bring ourselves to work. And if you have a fight with your wife, you're a different employee than the days that your marriage is going well. If your kid is sick or, or you're having money challenges at home, you're a different person at work than you are on the days that things are going good. And so as a business leader, if you don't incorporate all of the different constructs of who people are, and kind of build that into what you're trying to accomplish you're just not working with all the factors that you could to make you successful
1: and so that's important so we're starting off the white hat with more analytical fact based situations, but then you're putting in the human element and you and you also want to pull people in you want to you want it to hit their heart uh, as much as their brain so that now we have this this idea this dream that we all kind of believe in and we see with the facts and the figures that uh, it can happen
2: and emotion is not always like uh negative or, or fear different things, it could be laughter, it could right. be joy, right? If we're creating a, a video promotion for a client, right? we want the person that's viewing that video to feel an emotion. If we're doing a video for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which we've done, there's an emotional pull that we want people to understand that people are overcoming things in a major way. right? And that the Make-A-Wish Foundation is doing tremendous work for people that are less fortunate and have some really amazing challenges that they're working through. There's also a video for a company that's raised a bunch of money, uh, Pendo, here locally in the technology space. And they wanted to show how amazing it would be to work there. They wanted to show the feeling and the joy their employees have of chasing something amazing. They wanted to show the construct and the feeling in their new headquarters. And we created a video construct that allowed people to feel that with the employees of that company. Hmm. right? And so that Red Hat is business-critical, Right, because it really is what moves behavior. Right, how you feel. Yeah. and as a marketer, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, you just can't discount that. And so that's one of the key hats uh, to the six thinking hats.
1: I'm thinking of the next hat, which uh, in this order is the black hat, which yep. is a uh, has a connotation of risk. And I'm thinking of. So far, I feel like we're on this roller coaster, and the first hat, the white hat, was going up, clink, 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 up to the very first yeah, yeah, yeah. dip. And the red and the black hat are tied together with that first exhilaration of thrust going down, because it's excitement, it's the feelings you get, but it's also that risk of, oh my gosh, what, am I going to fly off this thing? Are we going to go crazy? Is that why the, the, the black hat kind of comes right after the feeling, the, the risk so
2: aspect? the order of the hats... Is situational. The value of the hats is pretty clear. Mm. The black hat can also be thought about in terms of your preparation. So, okay. if we use your roller coaster analogy, which is a good one, when you're going through that click, 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 that anticipation, <laughs> yeah, that's also where you need to make sure you buckled in. <laughs> right, because you risk you, aversion. Yeah, you know things are going to get a little curvy, mm-hmm. a little bumpy, and you're going to make it through as long as you're buckled in. Right? You want to make sure that um, you're in a business environment where you understand your competition would mm-hmm. be a great analogy. It doesn't mean there's no competition, but if you know how you're stronger then, then you're going to be competitive in that landscape. The black hat is thinking about going outside and the uh, some clouds out, and right. it kind of looks like rain. It's no problem if you have an umbrella. Right. But if you don't think about that risk and then you don't have an umbrella – then the rain is going to be problematic if you have to walk half a mile. Right. If you've got the umbrella, then walking half a mile in the rain is really no big deal. You're going to get to your meeting. You're going to still look good in your suit. You're still going to be calm. You didn't have to run all the way there. It's all good. So the black hat is really about the admission that there's risk to your idea. There's a potential for failure. But if you manage that risk, you give yourself a better chance for overall success. And even to that same point, if, uh, if rain... If that risk of rain
1: isn't something you fear, then you can kind of overcome. You know, you know what? It's going to be a drizzle. I'll be fine. So it's being aware of the risks and not letting them stop you. You're just managing your expectation of what's going to
2: happen. That's exactly right.
1: I love it. So we're establishing that, but then then comes uh, the yellow hat. This is the fun hat, right? This, this is like w- this is, why we're doing it. This is
2: why we're doing it. I. I it's exactly right. Like, yeah. what's what's the upside for this? Yeah. Right. Why are we taking less money to build this company? Mm-hmm. Right Why are we eating oodles and noodles, right? Why are we in these cramped offices, <laughs> yeah. right and, 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 and chasing something that we can't fully articulate, but we know that there's something amazing there, mm-hmm. and it's the upside. Yeah, right? It is the motivation. It is the money, right? It is the meaning. And those are the ways that I would think about the, the yellow hat, right? The motivation, the money and the meaning. And those are three kind of tiers of it, because motivation is not always financial, right. Right, some of it is the the way you can impact a community if you're working in a nonprofit. There's um, a nonprofit; it's called uh, Samaritan Health, and they're based in Durham. And they provide uh, we work with them at Walk West is one of the accounts that we just appreciate the ability to give back. But they provide free health care for those that are in need. Right, and it's really really powerful. And they've got doctors and nurses that give of their time. So that those of us that don't work at a company that has great health care, that those of us that are challenged with being able to afford it, they're not relying on just a governmental solution that who knows when it's going to come. Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter. Our health care system is still kind of a, a mess, right? I think it's really, really powerful. There's a group of people building a nonprofit from the ground up to try to do their part with their talent, right? And yeah. that's really cool. There's a... Uh...
1: There's a bit of writing in a, in, a, in a television show, Mad Men, that I absolutely love, and I think about this yellow hat to me, it's the first thing I think of. There's a moment, if you've seen the show or not, it's irrelevant, it's about a marketing agency, you know, they're in the 60s, Don Draper is the, <laughs> the handsome man that's the yep. leader of it all, but he has a young junior copywriter that is female, uh, she, she's one of her own, she's a unicorn in the industry at that time, being a female copywriter, but she's brilliant and she knows her stuff, right? And this particular uh, presentation, she had been prepping everybody all along, thinking that somebody else was going to give the presentation, such as Don Draper. And at the last second, he just said, no, Peggy, this is yours. You know it better than anybody. Go out there and do it. And she did it, and she knocked it out of the park, and she basically gave the best presentation perfectly to the client. The client hired them, signed them on for you know a 10-year deal, at which time they walked out of the room, and Don looks at Peggy and says... How do you feel right now? And she's like, I feel like I'm on top of the world. He goes, is this the best feeling you've ever had professionally? And and he's like, take a moment, think about it. And she's like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. He goes, this feeling is the feeling you will always be striving for for the rest of your career. And if this feeling right now is not enough to make you feel motivated to do this job, then you're not in the right industry because it will never be better than this. And so I love the moment of like feeling like you have to, mm. have to understand what that success is at times. And then is this the bet? Like, do you feel great about this? That's right. I was in wine sales for a while and I did effectively what she did. I opened a new restaurant, nine wines by the glass, all these, uh, you know, I just, I hit all the points. And when I walked out of the room, I was excited. But when I thought about it, I had been watching Mad Men at that time, I realized this didn't really get me out of bed. Like all of these things were not the most important to me at that time. And I started looking for other options in my life and I'm thankful I did. It was like a good perspective to think this juice was not worth the squeeze. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. That's a good way to put it. So, and I think, you know, when we look at uh, the motivation slice of the yellow hat, that is really, really critical, right? For us as individuals, yeah. uh, for clients, Right? Why are they doing this? Why are they spending $10,000 a month for this marketing retainer? Why are they spending $200,000 for this campaign? And knowing that allows you to guide your steps to actually achieve it. And so understanding what that positive outcome looks like. What, is, hmm. what does success look like? In the example you used, um, what does success feel like? Right. All of those things are important uh, to really flesh out and understand uh, so that you can know it when you see it. Right. And then you know,
1: then you're, then you, then
2: you wake up in the morning. Totally agree. Excited. Yeah. Totally agree. So let's get into
1: the creativity of the green hat. This is a fun one as well. Uh, And maybe not for, not for everybody. Some people fear the green hat. I would think, you know, sometimes you're just like, I, I, I don't know. I can't think of the next thing. And everybody has
2: powerful ideas. Right. Everybody has the ability to be creative. Some people need a safer space to share their full thinking. And when you use the green hat as associated with this process in a group setting and everyone is spitballing ideas and no one's judging the idea, nobody's judging the idea's creator. You're just judging whether the idea fits with the goal of the campaign or the program or the initiative. Mm -hmm. It allows more people to get involved in that process. One of the things I've found as a business leader is that uh, you've got to work tirelessly to create an environment where the best idea wins that it's not based on rank, it's not based on pedigree, it's not based on title. Uh, It's based on what's best for the client, what's best for the company, what's best for the project. And when you are successful in that fight, you can get some of your great project ideas from an intern, from an executive, from someone in between, but the client is better served when you allow people to have their full thinking. And people need to have that space. They need to have space to disagree or to provide an alternate scenario uh, that 's different than the management team might have right, and flexing that muscle of the of the green hat uh, allows you to do that and for me, as a business leader, I prefer the great ideas come from others because that means I have a business that can scale right If I have the best ideas all the time personally then i 'm going to have a really small business
1: well what do you think see i 've been in a room where I was the creative uh, with a group of other creatives and essentially the the owner in the position or the, the leader in this position uh, didn't really tell us what they wanted, but they just told us what they didn't want. And that became very frustrating as a creative person because you're just throwing things at the wall at this point. Yeah, Maybe that's a problem from the top down, not giving a more direct focus as to where they're looking. But, you know, that's where I say uh, on the creative side, it can be a challenge because I've almost exclusively picked put myself in that creative position yeah. internally in businesses throughout my whole career.
2: When you look at the green hat, my guidance to folks is number one, they sharing of your own ideas, but also pulling that guidance from others. And I like examples, right? Mm-hmm. If we're gonna build somebody a website, we give them mood boards and wireframes. We don't build an entire website and go, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right. Like, Like that could be expensive and costly for everybody involved, but for that leader that is unclear, Wrap your arms around that and say, Listen, you're telling us what you don't want, but not what you do want. It's okay not knowing. Mm -hmm. So let's just push against a couple of perspectives. And you kind of guide them through that creative process because they're really admitting they don't know how to articulate. Yeah, I think that's the best part. And so a lot of times people do know examples of what they admire. Mm -hmm. So if somebody says, I don't know what I want, great. What do you admire? Yeah, Who's run a campaign that you really think is pretty amazing? Mm. Who's written a blog that you listen to or follow? If I need to understand tone of voice, different things. Who's a business management leader that you respect if we're doing thought leadership work with this person? And usually when I ask them not what they want, but what they admire, usually people want something closer to what they admire. Mm. And so as a business leader, my job with creativity is pulling that creative genius out of others not necessarily that I'm the most creative person, but I'm super curious, right? I'm super interested in other people. And because of that, I usually can bring out uh, the information I need to be effective for people, because I really am interested. And most people I have found love talking to people that are interested in them, right? And I'm and I'm interested, right? Like I, like I talked to a a CEO, I, I won't name is his business, but he was telling me some of the things that he did for his employees. He was telling me some of the things he did from an HR-growing perspective of a company. And I sat there and listened to him and said, man, this guy is just better at this than me. <laughs> like, I, like, I really, like, I was like, I, I sat there and I was kind of, I was like, hey, I'm yeah. not on my phone texting. I'm, I'm taking notes. And just, he's like, oh, okay. But I asked him a couple more leading questions. And what I figured out is, this gentleman is very, very successful, worth millions and millions of dollars. And what I figured out is he is selfless to a higher degree than he is selfish. Hmm. And that has equated to how he thinks about his employees. Well, give an example. or What does that mean? Like, So when you, once a week, have your employees submit how they're doing at work, what they like, what they're struggling with, and you actually personally review them, you care. You're giving yourself to the you, project. You care. Right. Like that, like that's, a, that's not lip service to I mm-hmm. care about how my employees are doing. That's, you know, they've got insurance, they've got lights on where they work, they make a good salary, they're okay. This individual really felt at the fabric level of how his employees felt on a weekly basis. Right. And then when he sees patterns or trends, he reacts to them. I was like, man, I, I can do that better, I can be better, I can do more. But that's an example. Yeah, I like that. Right. Of caring in action. Right. And it convicted me a little bit. Right. Right. In terms of like, whoa, am I am I at that level yet in that category of of business? And so, you know, creativity back to the green hat. Creativity is not always an original idea. Hmm. Creativity is sometimes hearing something that's applied in an excellent way with a peer, with a partner, with a competitor, right. And putting your spin on it for how that information can be helpful to you. The six thinking hats is not a new idea. I just felt like I could add something to the conversation through my experience as an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and take that six thinking hat framework with the things that I've experienced and then create and involve something new. And so a lot of times people think creativity is white sheet of paper ground up, sometimes it is. Right. Sometimes it is an expansion of an existing idea, framework, or concept.
1: Yeah, you don't need to reinvent the wheel all the time. Right. Sometimes that wheel just needs to be put on a different car. That's right. <laughs> uh and it's a great what's, example. What's interesting is that uh, what you're saying specifically about that CEO, uh, say, reading and analyzing all of the the information that their creatives are giving them is an example, in a, in a sense, of the blue hat of the process, right? So That's you're right. defining how this whole system, this whole brand, this whole widget you've created, whatever it might be. We're all, we're excited. We understand the risk. We understand the financials. We understand the creative. We understand why we get out of the bed in the morning to do all this stuff. How are we going to actually do it? How are we going to execute?
2: Right. And in business and in life, uh, at the end of the day, it's the results that you deliver. Hmm. Right. And uh, I like that. Right. Right. As a competitive person, I like that the world is really results based. And the blue hat allows you the ability to put it all together. Yeah, And take those creative ideas, take those motivational moments from the yellow hat, and how are you gonna put that into an action plan that you build a team around to create an output that your client is in love with. To create a custom suit that your client is enamored with if you're a clothier. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're one of the companies I work with does, uh, called Inflow does accounting software in the hospitality space. Do they create an environment where somebody that has 20 hotels now has an enterprise resource planning system at a price that they can afford that does amazing work and gives them the dashboard of information? That's really what the client wants. They don't want an accounting system. They want a dashboard of information of how much they're spending, how right. much they how many hours are they, are they paying for and in investing? And what does their profit and loss look like based on each one of the hotels in their portfolio? They don't care what software did it. Right. They want the dashboard on their mobile phone that can give them a pulse beat of how their business is doing. Right. Right. And so our job as entrepreneurs is to create that outcome. And the blue hat, like you said, forces you to put it together in a project plan, the right team, and then helping that team execute. It's interesting, and you mentioned
1: earlier, you're, you're fond of uh, examples and all, and it made me think of something. I, in a former life, I was in a band. I've yeah, been sure. playing music for, awesome. for years, and this one guy in my band was kind of the band leader. Uh, he's actually on world tour right now in a crazy heavy metal band. But uh, aside from that, he, he gave me this advice, and it's kind of part of this, just to, as an example, I would come to him with guitar riffs all the time and say, here's a great Here's a great riff, Randy. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, what you, can you do with that type of thing? And and he would take them, and he was you know was kind enough to take my information. And finally, at one point, I think he just realized, you know, Max, this process of of you coming up with uh, song ideas and then bringing them to me is all well and good, but the problem is once you send a half full, a half thought out idea to me. Now it becomes my idea too. And I own this as much as you do, because if I write the next part or I write the words over it or the beat or, or I change anything of it, it's now ours. It's not yours. And I'm not telling you to not just give this to me, but be aware that before you have fully baked this idea, uh, are you ready to give it to someone else and and are you ready in this process to make this a collaboration? He's like so my suggestion is if the answer is yes, fine, give me the riffs. But if the other answer is you would really think you think this song should sound like this, then you need to do it all the way to its fruition. Yep. And then bring it to me. Got it. And it, I loved that. And it made me a better songwriter and more confident in myself. Awesome. He
2: like empowered me to take the next step. I mean, th- the biggest thing in leadership and mentoring and supporting your friends is high expectation. It's the best yeah. gift I can give to someone is high expectation of what they can do and be. Right. And in the example you just used is somebody that you respected said that you can do more. Yeah. And that is always welcomed with people. And there's a difference between asking somebody for feedback to a piece of work that you've done mm-hmm. or asking somebody to collaborate and creating something together. Right. And knowing the difference between the two as you've expressed is very, very powerful and, and understood. But I think it's a great example. And I, I think in my life anything that I've done successfully uh, I feel like has come from the spirit of collaboration and doing things together. Uh, I think my unique skill, or to go back to, to Marvel, my superpower mm. uh, is building and growing teams. Yeah, uh, and, and that's something that, that I really love and enjoy to do. But even within that there are individual decisions that have to just be me. And as a business leader and entrepreneur, you have to know uh, at what level are you willing to take on that ultimate and final decision for the destiny of the organization. And that's how you take the six thinking hats. And then are you a collaborator to what the group's gonna do? Or are you building the business and taking all this information from your team? And ultimately, right, you have to decide what's best. And the six thinking hats works for whatever part you play in the symphony. Yeah. You just have to know what part you want to play in the symphony.
1: I love it. And obviously within this book, there is so much more. It becomes so deep. You've got, you know, the table of contents really defines out, uh, you know, you can almost cut to like a specific spot. You're like, I really need focus on this. You know, That's becoming right. an entrepreneur is a is a title of a, of a chapter. Choosing a college, uh, moving from college to the workforce. I mean, yep. these are real practical applications, which can be really helpful because maybe not everybody needs every word written in this book, but but all of us could probably use
2: some of these words at some times, and that'll evolve. That's so, right. I I think to extend that comment, we structured the book in that manner so that it could be read end to end, it could be skimmed for value, but most importantly, you could read the examples in the book and even if those aren't your specific examples, you can apply the principles Mm. to the decisions or the projects that you're trying to work through and overcome. And that's the most important thing of seeing the six hats in action through the eyes of an entrepreneur. But you'll find that the concept is simple enough that you can apply its principles tomorrow. And that's a big thing for me in working with people and leading them is, yes, you can give people ideas and ways to think about things that are really meaty and they have to think about weeks and months, but you can also give them information that makes them a better employee, a better entrepreneur, a better student, a better father, a better parent tomorrow. And that's what All Hats on Decks does, is gives you actionable insight that makes you stronger tomorrow. I love it. Um, now, this is going to get a little meta right here,
1: because now uh, we're going to pull back from the book and the idea of that. And now let's talk about this podcast, because sure. this is Hustle Unlimited. Yeah, yeah, And after this episode, you will hear Donald on the other side of this <laughs> microphone talking to people uh, about their business. And so why should someone listen to this show? And what
2: do you really want to give to them? Uh, from this? What are we going to get out of it? Yeah, that's a great question, and and I can be really clear. Right, Hustle Unlimited is about the journeys of dream chasers, and it's meant to educate you on specific things that you can do as an entrepreneur, uh, as an employee looking to grow your career, uh, Mm -hmm. but more importantly is to give you the inspiration that other people have overcome things in their life, and they win anyway, and that you can do it too. Mm. The ultimate thing you're going to get from the podcast is an excuse removal system. Oh, love it. Right. I, I talked to a gentleman uh, the other day that is uh, visually impaired and he's running an amazing business. He's growing a technology company and he literally in a breakfast took away every excuse that I had. And it was <laughs> awesome. And we want to have people on Hustle Unlimited that are doing amazing things, hmm. but are really, really hopeful in what they can give and share with others. So that you leave listening to this podcast, whether you're working out, driving in your car, sitting at your desk, that you're more inspired to take the risk in your life that you need to, to be great. Three questions sure. to finish
1: this. For one, you as a person, Donald, what does
2: success look like to you? That's deep. <laughs> and you got two more questions after that. So that, that one oh, is, they're going to get easier. Yeah, after yeah. That. This is going to sound odd. Because most people say it's not all about the money. Making money gives you choices. Mm. Making money gives you the ability to take care of people you love. Mm -hmm. Making money allows you to not make choices about money. (laughs) So success to me means making enough money where my choices can be about the things that my heart cares about and not the things that my bank account cares about. And for everybody, it's a different amount, but I think making money and being successful in that area actually give you the freedom to pursue things that you truly care about. So to me, money is a tool. Right. The second thing in terms of success is who am I on this journey with? Hmm. I try very hard to surround myself with other winners, dreamers, game changers, so that I'm always learning and being stretched. And I'm always talking to people that are doing something in their life a little bit better, people that I admire. Right, And that's right. whether somebody is uh, a janitor, but they're going to night school, whether it's uh, – again, I don't drop a lot of names if I haven't asked permission, but there's a young lady that, um, that cleans my house. Right. And she's quitting because she's finished nursing school and has got a great new job. Uh-huh. She's a dream chaser. Good for her. Bad for you. It's Bad for me, but, like, <laughs> but, that's, but that's awesome, right? That's awesome that the money that I paid mm. – the job that she was doing was because it had the best time flexibility so she could study when she needed to, right. be in class when she needed to but she had a bigger dream for her life than the job she was doing Yeah. so success to me is what people do you spend time with and I'm sp- I'm wanting to spend time with people that are chasing something and I don't care what it is Yeah. but they're chasing something because people with a b- big dream are going to be encouraging to you for yours I right? love that right? um, the third thing that's really important is that I've made an impact in a positive way uh, on my kids and on my family, that I'm an example of pride for the people that I love and care about. And that means a lot to me and that frames a lot of the choices uh, that I make. And so those are a handful of things in terms of, sure. uh, you know, what, what success means to me.
1: Well, and that last part kind of leads into the second, which is kind of a big question as well. well it is a big question. Um, and you're still uh, in the prime of your life, so don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't consider <laughs> I'm talking about the end already. Yeah, I get it. But uh, how important is legacy to you? And with that said, how would you like to have your legacy be remembered?
2: It's a really good question. I think about it some, but I really don't have it as thought out as, as many. I want people that I've impacted and been a part of their life to be better off because we were friends. Mm. I want my kids to be better off because I was their dad. I want... My parents to be proud of me. And those things drive me in a very sincere way, right? Yeah. And uh, how am I remembered is not as important to me right now as do I have the admiration and the respect of the people in my circle for who I am today. And I'm working on that. It's a work in progress. Yeah. I've got plenty of things that uh, I've got to improve and grow in. But I do have people that I respect enough that keeps me really, really grounded and that success in my personal journey is work in progress. But I do have a handful of people that really, I care what they think. And it actually empowers me because that group is small. I like it. Yeah. The last question actually
1: came to me during all of this. It's a light one, <laughs> okay. but maybe insightful as well. <laughs> okay. I'll leave you this fa- final one. Which superhero is your favorite?
2: Oh man, gosh, that's a good question. Which superhero is my favorite? Man, I would say Batman. Nice. Like I, I would, you know, if I had to, if I had to, of all the superheroes, mm. if I had to say Batman. The reason is one: Batman was that uh, had a lot of coin, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? He went to the first part. We talked he about success. The he had money. But the money wasn't the guiding principle. Mm -hmm. It was really a protector. It gave him the freedom to do what he wanted to do. It gave him the freedom to do what he wanted to do, which was to be a protector. And ultimately, when I think about my life and building teams and growing teams and working with creatives, one of the reasons I like working with creatives is a lot of the really talented technologists and creatives that I work with and know, they don't really understand the business side as well, and I can be the business protector to allow them to thrive. And that's what makes a great team between us. Because I don't want their shine. I don't want the recognition. I just want their idea to be able to come to life and be amazing. And so I play my part in that symphony. And so Batman I think of as a protector. Um, And and that's why he's my favorite. But I I would say Batman.
1: I wonder if the psychologists out there also uh, took note of what I'm taking. Of all the people you could have chosen, you chose a mortal man. One that did not possess Superpowers, but thus a, an actual person that could effectively
2: exist in this world. I, I think there's a lot to that. Somebody that can feel, somebody that has a clock, mm-hmm. right? That they're not going to live forever. Yeah. Right? And I think that's a lot of, uh, I think the humility that I have in the life that I'm developing and growing in is that I don't have all the answers. Uh, Batman, like all of us, is really flawed mm-hmm. in many ways but the goals and the purpose are pure. Donald,
1: thank you for the time today. Listeners, subscribe, download wherever you find your podcast. Look for Hustle Unlimited, and uh, we will see you soon. Thanks a bunch, man.
2: I appreciate it.